We're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome all to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, is hourly billing unethical and unprofessional? Yes, and we'll see you in 168 hours. Hey, wait, wait. <laughs> Ron, this has been the soul of enterprise. This is the knowledge economy. Sponsor- <laughs> what? What, Ron? We have to ask this question. <laughs> I was going to try to give our producer, Matt, an hour off. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure your answer shocked all of our listeners. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this, Ron. This is this is a, another good example, and 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 again, our thanks to the the folks who do all of our social media and tweets uh, at uh, at leading results. Want um, to want to thank them for for their work. But we got a a, a pretty good buzz this this week going about this show. Um, more often than not, we get stuff from 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 shows that we've done. Like we'll get a lot of questions about that after the fact. But this is another topic that has spurred some interest even before we've gotten on the air. And we're going to address a couple of those questions that came in. Max F., thanks for your thought. And I, and I, I think it's really helped us really frame, frame some of the things we were going to say. Because one of the things that he brought up, which we'll talk about later, um, I wasn't necessarily going to talk about. So I, I, I really appreciate uh, the contributions of the audience. Right. And we got another one, too, from P.T. And, the, you know, that was really interesting because he, he basically says that it's neither unethical nor unprofessional. It's just simply old fashioned and unnecessary. But but I think there's a deeper topic here, Ed. And, and that's why we wanted to do this show, because the argument is out there that hourly billing is unethical. We've seen it in various blog posts. I've seen it in articles in different places. I remember somebody wrote something in Australia about it, and Rick Payne on his blog um, basically tried to you know fire back and say that this is a ridiculous argument to argue that hourly billing is unethical. Um, I, I wrote about it in in all my books on pricing, and yet I'm I don't like to talk about the fact that hourly billing is unethical, I don't think it's very helpful to stand in front of an audience and tell them that they're unethical or that the system they've been using most of their life is unethical. That said, I do teach ethics and I have to be intellectually honest with myself. And if you apply the logic and, and rationale of, of ethics, uh, almost by any standard, you have to come to the conclusion that hourly billing is definitely unethical. Mm-hmm. And and of course, I would add and have added immoral to my uh, rant on this. And I, and I want to address something that you just said, which I, I wholly endorse. It's the system. It's the process. 
it's not the people. Although I, I do think that there are people who are unethical who practice hourly billing. That's not, that is not the case among the, the vast majority of people. But what I find is that it's simply just the, 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 the practice itself leads people who are otherwise usually very ethical and very moral to be tempted in some cases to do immoral things because of the way that you have to work the system. And I think we're going to get to a number of those circumstances. For example, like how much do you bill for travel time? How much can, is, it, is it ethical to, to double bill two different customers if you're working on the same thing? Can you, take something, can you take something that you've done for one customer and give it to another and charge them the same price? All of these are questions that come up and very ethical and moral people need to then struggle with them because of the system itself. Yeah, and like Aristotle said, you know, it's not easy to be a good citizen in a bad society. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's the same thing. Like you say, otherwise very ethical and moral upstanding people work in the system and it just fosters these behaviors that are, you know, you wouldn't want to be treated like this as a customer. And this is not to say that people don't engage in unethical behavior in, in other types of pricing arrangements either. Of course they do, mm-hmm. right? But if they do, at least by giving the consumer an upfront choice, I have the option to walk away from what I think is not a valuable, not a valuable deal. Now, if there's bait and switch involved or fraud or other things like that, well, then, yes, you know, that can take place no matter how you price. Right. But, but, but by and large, all the things that we're going to talk about um, are a direct result of the billable hour and which is all predicated on the false premise that value can somehow be measured by time spent. And that's the real problem here is really the labor theory of value. Of course, right. Uh, underlying this is that labor theory, but we've dealt with that in a lot of cases. I think let's, this is more the application of it. But I, I'd like to start the conversation, Rob, by talking about specifically that, the upfrontedness, if that's a word. I just made that up. <laughs> of, I like that. Yeah, upfrontedness, upfrontedness of the fact of, of pricing, right? And that, you know, the example that we usually use is the difference between a price and a bill. You can see very easily demonstrated in a restaurant, and that is you, you're given a menu with the prices on it. You make your selections, and then at the end of the, uh, the, end of the, the dinner, you get your bill, right? And it's the, the subtotal of all of the prices that you agree to upfront because you were given the prices upfront. So it's a, it's a, it's a uh, the, the difference is temporal, right, as to when it occurs, Right. And I think that a lot of people respond, or I've, I've had, I should say, I've had a lot of people respond when I talk about that to say, well, I do give my customer a price up front because I tell him what my rate is. Right. And I think the first thing we have to dispel is this notion that a rate is not a, is not a price because you're not, it, it, very easily, you're not giving them, maybe you're giving a rate, let's say $200 an hour, but you're certainly not giving them that it's going to be 10 hours, so therefore $2,000. Otherwise, you would just say $2,000. Right. And I think that that so so a a rate is not a price there. And then that and that has to be the first thing that that people understand that, okay, that is not going to that's not going to cut it just because you gave them what your rate is up front, that now this is somehow ethical because you gave them a price because you didn't. And, and in fact, you probably raised more questions in the customer's mind than you answered, because now they're going to sit there and well, how long is it going to take? And what if it takes longer? And now what if you're not as experienced and you're slow or you assign it to somebody who's slow? I mean, all of these things. 
and and you just don't want to put those thoughts in the minds of your customer. It's kind of absurd, which is why most businesses don't price this way. They do give us a price up front. It is fixed. I mean, I can't think of anything I buy, Ed, with my own money, with my own money, where I don't know the price before I buy it. Mm-hmm. And people yep. usually say, well, medical. Well, but you're not spending your own money. If If you look at medical where you are spending your own money, like veterinarian services or LASIK surgery, plastic surgery, you do know the cost. You do know the mm-hmm. price to the penny before you okay the procedure. And and so that's, that's a really key point that pricing is always done up front. Billing takes place in arrears. And that's why I just can't stand the term billing. That that needs to go away. That's a terrible term. First off, nobody likes to pay bills, get bills, right? Yeah. It just conjures yeah. up all these negative images. Why don't we just call it invoicing? Um and just pricing means we do it up front. Right, right. And and so this is, I think, the lead-in to this is this notion that if, therefore, when you're giving a rate, you're not giving a price, then, therefore, it cannot be a, a just price because no one can agree to it up front then. I mean, and that's that's what, you're, what, what we're saying is, and, and like you said, then the then it becomes more, more a question of, well, how many hours is it going to take so that I can get some kind of a theory behind the price. What I find fascinating, Ron, is this argument, and I hear this a lot. My customers demand I give them a, 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 a an, an hourly rate. Yep. Right. You hear this from and, internal uh, controllers, uh, general counsel, and, and corporations. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And and I found and to me that's just a fascinating thing that the customers of professional firms have become so. J- jaded into thinking that this is the right way that they feel that they have to have that piece of information in order to make a decision even though it's completely irrelevant yeah it it, yeah and and i think too i think that's partly explained by a lot of the customers that do ask for that um you know, grew up in professional firms, right? <laughs> but CPAs that's true that, too. <laughs> you, you know, or there are lawyers that used to work in law firms, and and that's what they're familiar with. Um, I, but it, like you, I am absolutely shocked when just a normal everyday customer will demand that their bookkeeper or accountant or whoever, you know, uh, show them the hours or 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 bill by the hour. I just don't, you know, I don't think it's a big problem because I think the way that we spend money and all other aspects of our lives where we know the price. And if you explain it to that way to them, they understand that. I mean, after all, it's the professions that bill by the hour that educated the populace on this, which means the onus is on us to re-educate them. Agreed. And that's, and that's what one of the battles that we have with professionals is yes, this is another hurdle that we're putting up for you in, in part of what is traditionally considered the sales cycle and yes, it's something that you'll need to explain. And they're like, "Well, I, I just, I just want to do my work. I just want to do the work." <laughs> no, sorry, can't shortchange it. You're right. gonna have to, you're gonna have to reeducate the customer on this one. It's our own darn fault. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Which might be another real strong argument for having a a value council. And if you're not good at pricing or having these types of discussions, then let somebody from the value council reeducate your customer. But somebody mm-hmm. needs to, to be in charge of that. Totally agree. Yep. And and, and the the unethical question. Let let's deal with that because I think this is kind of it's interesting to me just intellectually because I teach ethics and have for over a decade. But you know, as as you know, the, the word ethics is Greek word for ethos, right? Meaning habit. 
And obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> the billable hours become this massive habit. And the interesting issues in ethics aren't between right and wrong. We all kind of know that. And man, if you don't know that by now and you're listening to the show, <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you're probably beyond repair, right? The real dilemmas in ethics, uh, whether you're corporate life or just in everyday life, it is between right versus, say, less right or mm-hmm. right versus right. I mean, where you don't know. And I think it's really useful to look at some ethical philosophies that can shed some light on whether or not hourly billing is ethical and, and just take this head on. And, and I think the big one is, is comes from Immanuel Kant, you know, his categorical imperatives questions that basically the first one says, you know, act only on that maxim by which you can at the same time uh, will that it should become a universal law. In other words, if, if, you're, ch- if you're faced between two options, an ethical dilemma, and you choose B, would you want everybody else in your situation to choose B? And mm-hmm. what's useful about that is when you apply it to hourly billing, you have to ask yourself, would you want every other business on the planet to charge by the hour? Would you want airlines to do it? Would you want your, well, plumbers to some extent do it, although I won't hire them, but right. would you want everybody to do it? And, I, and the answer to that is clearly no, because most other businesses on the planet do not mm-hmm. do it that way. It's the professionals that use hourly billing that are the exceptions. Sure. Now let's so, but let's apply the categorical imperative to the the what the alternative that we're proposing, which is: Would you want every business on the planet to set price in accordance with the your perceived value of it? Yes, I I, I would. Yeah, I mean, it, right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, especially if it was a bespoke service, you uh-huh. know, that was cut, being customized for me. Even if it's not bespoke, like, you know, it, 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 getting to the categorical imperative again, if, if, if my cell phone from Apple was priced the, in, in such a way that they were having a value conversation with me about it, I would be okay with that. So long as also the other stuff that I had to pay for was also based on that value conversation. And in, including, you know, I guess what I get from government, but that's a whole nother show. Right. <laughs> well, that, that's a fascinating angle. And let's address that when we come back from this break. But folks, we'd like to remind you, if you want to contact Ed or myself, you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. Check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com, where you can find all of our shows going back to August of 2014. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have, but have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. 
Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Solemn Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we're back here on The Soul of Enterprise talking about hourly billing and the ethical nature of it. Ron, just want to check if you're still with us. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so w- w- we, we said we would explore this from a different angle. Where do you want to go with this, Ron? What, what's next on your thought Well, you're thought talking parade? about Apple talking to you about your iPhone. Um, right. And the reason they can't do that is because the marginal cost of meeting with billions of customers around the world is just too high. Nor can right. an airline do that. But a professional firm does meet with every customer one at a time. You know a lot about that customer. You know what their goals are. You know, and you know what the transformation is that they're trying to achieve, and therefore you should be able to customize a price uh, at, at no additional marginal cost. And that's why I think, in the in the professional world, it would be universal uh, that customers would want that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just saying that I would I would be okay with it if it were even more universal than that. Right. Not not that it's practical. You're right. It's not practical for Apple to have that conversation, it's not practical for for Campbell's soup to have that conversation with me in the grocery store. Picture what the grocery store would look like with representatives from you know 17,000 companies having value conversations with people. Right. right? <laughs> so it so it so it's not it's not the practical nature of it. It's just to to give the example of the categorical imperative. I think you have to play out the other side. And I would be OK with that being universal if if it were possible. Right, right. No, agreed. And and the other thing, Ed, I think on, on just on the ethics, and then we can close this out and move on. But yep. I, I think when you actually look at the reality of the billable hour regime in in firms that use it, um, you know, they claim that if you eat time, you know, do work that you don't record, that's a fireable offense. Like in the big four, even in the big eight that I worked in, it was a fireable offense. Now, <laughs> but everybody does it. You know, oh, everybody, gosh, yes. everybody eats time, everybody pads time, borrows time from other engagements in the future. People forget to do their timesheets, and so they, they make things up. It's not that these are malevolent um, actions. There's no, there's no you know, fraud intent or anything like that. It's just like you said, this is a terrible system, and it just leads to this unethical behavior. There, there's no audit check for the customer. I mean, how's the customer going to going to question a time entry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they can question the price and then they can ask you, well, why did it take you so long or why did you have to do this? But all, all of those issues are completely superfluous in terms of what you're trying to cultivate with your customer, which is a long-term relationship. 
Mm-hmm. And, and of course, then then what happens is in these fee arrangements, and I always just emphasize that ugly word fee. Th- there is stuff in the in the contract that says you know the customer will pay for all time, right? For all time, yeah. um, that that's that's listed there. So. So when so, um, you know one of our tweets said, and this was from PT, he said it's neither unethical nor unprofessional. That's too simplistic. We don't think it is, Pete. It's not simplistic. It is unethical. If you study ethics uh, and you apply any of the categories, utilitarian theory, deontology, anything like that, you, you come to the conclusion that the hourly billing is unethical. And I right. don't think it's simplistic to say that, although, like I said, I don't like using this argument. I don't like going down this road. I think we have more effective arguments to overcome um, this this regime, which it kind of goes to the second part of our question. Right. Exactly correct. And, and look, I, th- you know, I th- we're also going to post on the show notes here, our, our colleague at Verisage's great article, I think from June, uh, Ron, on our, that, that where he's taking on an, an, what, what he calls an old law partner, the saying that, that hourly billing is good in, in quotes, because it is accurate, transparent and ethical. Right. And he just, br- he breaks this down to say, what do you mean accurate? What do you mean? What do you mean transparent? Transparent. Or, I mean, how could it possibly do? We have a video camera, a web webcam on every attorney. When whenever your file gets touched, all of a sudden it lights up and tells people, oh, "Okay." Hey, I, I know I should I shouldn't give these time recording companies any ideas. Any they ideas? Will, they will actually implement <laughs> crap like this. And, right? and, and what's what's really <laughs> funny about that Ed is they do have cameras. You know, if you hire a contract, some contracting firms to build your house, they will put a camera on site. You can watch the progress, but when you watch a knowledge worker do work, you're not seeing anything. You're seeing a guy sitting there or a gal, and you don't know what's going on in their head. The the work they do is invisible. It's in their mind. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they but there are these systems, Ron, and this is you know scares me that that are tied now to to webcams and your facial recognition and and you know are are you thinking too long? Are you not moving your mouse pointer? Are you how many words are you typing per minute? How, how often do you use the backspace key? This is real stuff. I'm not making this up. Oh, I know you're right. And I, I think the other thing that creates this bad culture that we talk about with the billable hour regime is let's face it. The billable hours focused on the convenience of the seller. It's not at all focused on the customer. It's not no. worried about value creation. It's not worried about outputs. It's it's solely looking at inputs, costs, efforts, which is all done for the convenience of the seller because these things are easily measured and all of these things. But, you know, capitalism and free markets is based on altruism, which means other directed, right? Which means focus on the customer and the billable hour that violates that at almost every turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it does. And look, uh, I'll close, close this out. And I think I've told this story on, on the show before, and I'll post an, a, a link to the article that I wrote on this, what I call the nuclear option. And that is asking all of the professionals before me, how many of them have ever filled out timesheets and their hands go up and then asking how many of you have ever not told the exact 100% truth on your timesheet and every hand remains up. Right. And that, you know, and that's up or down, as you were saying, it was, it's a, it was a fireball offense for you at, at, it was at, at KPMG right. it, for, for not filling out your timesheet accurately. Yet everyone did it, including the partners who would supposedly fire you. Yet why did they even make that rule in the first place? 
like how, how could yeah. anybody have have had the ethics to say this needs to be a rule even though we know everyone in the firm has violated it at some point and then it's funny because those heirs or those you know that that eating of time just carries over from year to year because when you look at last year's budget you see that you know oh i could be able to do this in 20 hours and it really takes 60 but you don't see that phantom 40 hours because it's been eaten yep and it got eaten last year by the other by the other junior who didn't want to be look like he was a complete idiot Right. And then therefore it got passed down to you because you might might be a different person who is on the engagement this time. And it, it just just completely unravels or and, and build, builds on itself. Right. It's a it's a vicious cycle. And when you're given 10 hours to do something and you're pretty smart or you find uh, an innovative way to do it or maybe you've d- done it in the past or whatever. And there's a school macro or and, and you do it in an hour. Guess what? Guess what goes on the timesheet? You're going to get 10 hours because you're mm-hmm. going to go play golf or take the day off or do whatever. <laughs> and, and therefore, that error perpetuates. So this idea that it's accurate is. <laughs> that, yeah, that's no, ludicrous. I know. I need my. I need to know my actual costs, Ron. <laughs> uh, the time you spend has nothing to do with your cost. That's the other thing. Your right. your your wage is your cost. It's right. not how you spend your time. Yeah. Uh, so, but but Ed, I think the other part of the question, which is the unprofessional, and and again, this is another touchy topic too. I you know going down this road, I do it more often than I go down the unethical road. But it, and it goes back to Michael Hammer's definition of a professional, which is one of my favorite. He says a professional is someone who is responsible for achieving a result rather than performing a task. And the problem with the billable hour and the timesheet is it atomizes everything into a six-minute task, and and it, and it, the entire focus goes on that task. And well, day laborers are paid for tasks. Professionals, doctors, lawyers, you know, accountants. They're paid for outcomes, not tasks. I'm buying an outcome, and I don't necessarily care the effort required to get me to that outcome. I, I and I, I think that that's a, a big part of it is that 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 professionals then would back back up and say, well, let, let's say, especially in the law, well, the, the 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 customer wants a successful lawsuit. They want they want to win the lawsuit. Can I should I, I but I but but um it's against the canons for me to charge that to guarantee them a, a quote win, especially like I say like a, a divorce case or some kind of a family law thing, right? That so they can't yep. guarantee an outcome. I said, well, you're not getting the point. The, 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 point, the point is, is then to, to, to redefine and understand that the, the, the outcome is not a win in the, in the court system. It's, it's defending or, or representing that, that, that customer, that, that client with, with a plum and, and with, with uh, uh, you know, severity, right? So. Yep. And it's in the medical profession is the exact same thing. You go to an oncologist, he can't guarantee that he's going to cure your cancer or put it into remission. What, what he can guarantee is that you're going to be happy with the service, interacting with his office. He's going to be responsive to your calls and emails and all of that. Uh, and that's really what you're guaranteeing, not guaranteeing an outcome to a specific uh, event. And, uh, you know, an auditor can't guarantee a non-qualified opinion, right? But you can guarantee um, that they're going to be satisfied with your your ability to, to try and get them to that point. Right. The phrase I was looking for earlier was zealous representation. 
Right. I like so, that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, one of my favorite guarantees, Ed, from a law firm, because we, we get a lot of pushback on guarantees, from especially from law firms, because of that very topic. And it comes from Moores, who's our, our colleague, David Wells, down in Melbourne, Australia. And their firm's guarantee right on their website is, it says, we can't guarantee outcomes, but like price, the quality of our service is another thing we can guarantee up front. And, mm-hmm. and that, that just explains it beautifully. Yep, that's a that's a that's a great way to put it. That is really a great way to put it. They're yeah. so smart down there in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> they are, but you know, especially when we talk we talked to Joe Pine about uh, you know their their progression. Great of, show, uh, that was yeah, a great show, yeah. Of, of their hierarchy of value and the top of that of their curve, the highest point of value is a transformation, and when you use that. And you tie it back to Michael Hammer's definition of a true professional, you know, we're 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 responsible for achieving that transformation, not delivering the series of tasks. And we see it every day in professional firms who bill by the hour. They're so caught up on scope of work that they com- almost completely ignore the scope of value or the transformation that the customer's trying to achieve. And it's actually the transformation that determines the scope of work. It's not the other way around. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ron, already up against our second segment, but we want to remind you that the Verisage Symposium is coming up and you have still a little bit over a month to to uh, to get registered for that place to go to, to see all of the information about the Verisage Symposium and of the Art of Value Conference, which precedes it is thesoulofenterprise.com slash Verisage. That's thesoulofenterprise.com slash Verisage. So go out there and also remind you, show notes available on the Soul of Enterprise, up previews to upcoming shows. There's now a calendar where you can see long-term what some of our, our thoughts are for the show. Those are subject to change, by the way. It doesn't always mean that the subjects that you see out there, but we just do want to give you an, some insight as to what potentially is going on. But right now, we want a word from our sponsor. future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-294. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. 
Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. One day at the pearly gates, Ron, St. Peter was very confounded. He had before him a man in his, appeared to be late or early 40s, and when he was asked for his name and he looked him up in the book, it, 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 it turned out that this guy was not supposed to die for another 30 years. And it was very, very confusing, and St. Peter was, was look, searching all, looking all of the records and he finally asked the guy, he said, so what is it that you do? And the guy said, well, I'm a lawyer. And St. Peter said, oh, I think I, think I found the problem. We were, we were looking at your charge time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that reminds me, Ed. How, how many lawyer jokes are there? Oh, <laughs> infinite? <laughs> no, no, no. There's one. Oh, there's, there's one. one. The rest okay. are true stories. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hat, hat tip to Matthew Burgess for that. But he told that at a conference I saw him speak, and I was just cracking. I'd never heard that before. In fact, he wrote a whole book, uh, best ever, one hundred and one lawyer jokes that I just thoroughly enjoyed. It was just a howl. Yeah, some, some of the stuff. best lawyer jokes I've heard have come from lawyers. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, my my all time favorite lawyer joke when we're on that subject is the difference between a lawyer and a catfish. Right, one is a bottom dwelling some scum sucker, and the other is a fish. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, lawyers, we love you. No, we do, especially if you don't bill by the hour. <laughs> so, Ed, let's talk about fairness because this issue. I mean, these things are also interrelated. It's hard to pull yeah. them all apart. They're all. It's, this is a system, and when we start talking about a just price, a fair price. I mean, this is a theological debate going back, you know, centuries, but talk a little bit about fairness. Yeah, and this is a I, I, head uh, or hat tip to uh, economist Bart Wilson, who has a great video. It was published, believe it or not, around seven years ago. I can't believe it was that long ago that that was, it was out there on uh, Reason's website about this concept of fairness. And one of the things that he really points out, and I just I love this, is that the, the concept of fair is completely Anglo-Saxon. There, there, is, there is no direct translation to, to f- uh, any other language other than English for the idea of fair. 
and not even German, which I, I thought was surprising. I figured there would be, but it's not. So it's it's an it's an Anglo Anglo-Saxon Anglo-Norman uh, concept that that comes forth. And the best way to do this, and I've I've done this in front of audiences, as I say, does anyone know French or Italian? And then it's usually somebody will say, well, you know, un poquito, whatever, which is Spanish, by the way. <laughs> then it, so that so, so that you say sure, and I said I right, translate the word fair, and it always gets translated into whatever l- language as just. Right. Right. And then I say, okay, trans translate with like in French, it's juste. Right. So translate juste back to English. And they would say, well, you translate that that as just you would never translate it as fair. Never. Mm -hmm. Right. So this concept of fair really is is Anglo Norman. And what it what it means is fair is how you go about doing your job, not the price that you're paid for it. Right? Okay. And, yep. and it's this notion, like when when fairness was first used, this uh, the, there was a whole chapter in a book uh, by Anna Anna uh, that talks about this notion of of, uh, of fairness, and it it applies only to instances where there are rules. And in fact, the, the the original meaning of the word fair is best illustrated in baseball by the concept of fair versus foul. We would never say that that is a a foul price, right? Right. Yep. We, we would never say that. That and that is really the opposite of fair, not unfair, but foul. And so we would never use that term. We would say that there was an unfair merchant, right? An unfair merchant, and that was one who was was tipping the scales, mm-hmm. right? And pushing things in their direction, which you know, by the way, is what. Billing by the hour will 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 tend to do it, at least the perception of it from a customer standpoint. So the, j- this notion of fairness, and by the way, the fairness is an economic term because that was that it's become kind of big. Only arose in the 1990s. It wasn't before that that we hear fairness applied to things like minimum wage or fair wage. Right, there yeah. was the Fair Wage Act of 1997 or whatever that set it at 7.25 an hour. Well, why not 7.50? Why not 14? Why not seven, yep. right? It's a, what is fair and unfair is that. So it's a very interesting idea. It, it is, and and obviously the the you know the person who puts their thumb on the scale is unjust too, right? So the opposite of just is unjust, but the opposite of fair is foul. I I love that because yeah, we would never say a foul price. That that's really good. Yep. So anyway, let's move on to one of the questions that we got uh, sent us. It wasn't really a question, but Max F. replied to one of our, our tweets. And again, thanks to the, the great folks at Leading Results for, for getting that stuff out there. We really appreciate the work that they do on that. Um, but Max F. says, in situations where scope of work is impossible to find, uncertainty gets overpriced under, fixed price or under, under a fixed price arrangement. Far from optimal, he says. Right. And, 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 and I just want to deal with this. I know we're going to give a model, but I, I, Max, I, I want to answer this head on because when I hear professionals of any stripe, tell me this, my first question is we have a professional duty to, um, you know, engage in due care, only take on work that, that we're competent in. Right. That's why we don't let, you know, um, somebody do heart surgery who's not a heart surgeon. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when I hear a professional tell me that scope is impossible to define, I say, really? Everything. You've never seen this before. You, you have no idea what the first 
step, second step, third step would be, then as a customer, I got the wrong guy or <laughs> I've got the wrong professional sitting in front right. of me. Right. Because the last thing I want to hear from my surgeon being wheeled into the operating room is, wow, look at that. I've never seen that before. I mean, Yeah. Wahoo. That's bad. No, I, you're not good. giving yourself enough credit, Max. You do know, you do know certain things are going to have to happen. Now, you may not know everything. Sure, there's unknown unknowns out there. But there are things that you do know based on your experience, wisdom, and the synthesis of, of both of those. And you can scope out and price what you do know, we're not saying price the whole thing if there's a lot of uncertainty. I would also say that if you're worried about the risk and uncertainty, then how do you think your customer feels about this situation? This is especially prevalent with lawyers, right? When somebody's being sued or facing a big litigation and the lawyer says, well, I just, there's too many variables here. Well, then how do you think your customer feels? <laughs> You know, right. so why don't we why don't we try and bring some level of of certainty to it by scoping that which we do know, and moving this in steps, and and the other thing I would say when you are confronted with a situation that you think is quote unquote impossible to define, uh, which I reject, but if if that's true, if there's a lot of uncertainty or risk, then move towards it. Do what actuaries do. Look at it as an opportunity. Risk comes from profit. Or I'm sorry, profits come from risk. And when there's situations like this, you're able to command a premium price when you give certainty. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I was just reading a story Ed, about drones, right? Drones are causing all these sorts of problems, right? Colliding with people and, you know, even <laughs> crashing into wedding parties and destroying the cake and, you know, at sporting events, you know, crashing into some of the uh, players and all of that. You know, actuaries sit back and they look at this and they go, this is awesome. This is a huge opportunity. Now they have drone insurance. Yep. That's how we have to think as professionals. We can't look at things that are risky and uncertain and and run away from them. We have to run towards it and say, what's the opportunity to provide security to the customer and then take a price for it? Because look, (laughs) at the right price, you'll insure against that impossible, quote unquote, to define scope. Of course you would absolutely. at the right price. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And then and then, Ron, there's what our friend Chris Marsden does, which is just brilliant. I and I I can't believe we were prepping for the show, and I don't think we've ever talked about this on the show, which is amazing because it almost always comes up in our live presentations. Yep. Right. Um, and that that is the, the 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 Marsden circles of scope, where he says exactly what you just said. He said first down, he, you know, he sits sits down the the customer who is potentially being sued because Chris, ironically, is a lawyer. So a lawyer came up with this solution, he sits him down. And he says, well, yeah, yeah, of course we've never seen this before because every every lawsuit is individual, right? He says, but here's what I do know. Here's here's what I know I've got to do. I've got to file a cross complaint. I've got to uh, respond to this petition, whatever it is. That's and he calls that the yes work and he draws a circle and he says this is what he what he says this is what i absolutely have to do this is the next steps he said then he draws another circle which he says is is the is the likely work and i think he says that this is like 50 percent or more chance of happening Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, so this is, this is what's likely. It's likely that they're going to, you know, respond to that. We're going to have to depose X number of witnesses. We're going to have to file a motion for summary judgment, blah, 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 blah. 
It says, and that's what's likely, 50% chance or more. And he writes that in the likely circle. And this is a series of concentric circles. So yes is in the middle, then backing out when we have likely. Then the next circle he calls the maybe work. And this is 50% or less in his mind chance of happening. And he might go through, you know, this is filed on appeal or goes to a jury or whatever, whatever the different scenarios are. But he sketches out maybe two or three different possible scenarios that could happen. And then his last one, occasionally, then he does does get to where you are and draws this this, this big circle around this, a fourth one, which he, he labels WHK for who the hell knows, right? <laughs> but but it's not until that point that he is giving this this person this, well, you know, what never seen that before, right? It's only after he's given them some some insight into what he does know along the way that uh, that that he's going to say and then there's you know the, what whatever there is and then he he'll he's really is will sometimes then give them three different prices right a price for each one of those for yes uh, maybe and 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 or likely and maybe now the great thing about this and I've heard you tell the story a number of times is that not only is he doing this great scoping work but he's also doing something that is really subtle and it's the most amazing part, I think, of this whole notion. And that is, is he's demonstrating his expertise without appearing to be too braggadocious, right? And it's it's just absolutely brilliant because the person who's sitting down watching him do this is saying, wow, that guy has – this guy has done this before, right? He's He, he clearly knows what's going on. And this is the exact opposite – of the situation that Max was describing where you know, a lot of professionals come in and say, you know, how the hell should I know? Right. And yeah. like, well, yeah, th- th- this is, this is the, the anti being wheeled into the surgeons, sur- the, 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 the operating room with the surgeon going, well, never seen that before. Right. It's the complete opposite of that. And, and doctors do this and we're up against a break, but doctors do this, you, know, you get a bad diagnosis from a doctor and he'll lay out the different, uh, you know, treatment, possibilities right we could do chemo we could do chemo and radiation we could do both two and and then we could do surgery but he he probably will give you percentages of effectiveness about that even though he doesn't know what's going to happen i mean no reasonable customer expects a professional to have a crystal ball right but they do expect you to bring your experience on what's happened with other cases Yep. And that's that's what's missing when we just throw up our hands and go, oh, well, it's just too complicated. I have no idea. So we're going right. to resort to – I just reject that. That If that's the case, then I would question whether or not you're the right professional to do that work. And maybe I, you I'm, ought to back out of the engagement, right? Yeah, I'm not going to go to a heart surgeon who dabbles on this, you know, in this on the weekends. <laughs> I mean, sorry. I want somebody who does this over and over and over and over and knows what the heck they're doing. Right. Sure. Good stuff. All right. Well, we're up against our last break, Ron. want to remind you, Verisage Symposium coming up, thesoulofenterprise.com slash Verisage to see the information on that. Please also go out to iTunes. So that's thesoulofenterprise.com slash iTunes and review the, the show. Love to see those reviews as well as the book. We do still do have the book out on Amazon if you're interested in, in, in reading that, The Soul of Enterprise. But right now, a word from our sponsor and, of course, my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're dealing with the uncomfortable question of whether or not hourly billing is both unethical and unprofessional. We've reached the conclusion that it is for the reasons we've outlined. But, Ed, I don't know if I've ever shown you this, but when you look at Chris's uh, concentric circles, the yes work is the inner circle and then the likely mm-hmm. work. And then the maybe work and then the big circle around everything is the WHK, who the hell knows work. Here's how I break them out. I say the likely work are... I'm sorry, the yes work, the stuff that you know you have to do are known knowns, mm. right? You know you have to do that. There's no, you know, we have, to, we have to respond to this complaint or we have to file a motion with the court to dismiss the suit as frivolous or whatever it might be. And then when you go out to the likely work and even the maybe work, I'm calling those known unknowns. In other words, you don't know which scenario is going to happen, but you know it's possible. It's within the realm of possibility, Right, that one mm-hmm. of these scenarios is going to play out, or a combination thereof. The WHK one is the unknown unknown. I know I'm slipping into Donald Rumsfeld mode <laughs> with this, but the unknown unknowns are uncertainty. Now let's put that aside just for a minute. With with yes work, there are known knowns. We can price that. The likely work and the maybe work; those are known unknowns. But a known unknown is risk. Yep. And risk can be priced. Price it. In fact, when I first saw Chris Marston explain these circles, somebody asked him, well, how do you price this type of work? He, he said, actuarially. <laughs> the same way Lloyd's of London puts a price on insuring a satellite. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know? um, and even unknown unknowns, which is uncertainty, which can't be as, as easily measured, say, as risk. Uh, basically, uncertainty means it can't be measured. But at the right price you would go out and cover somebody for that uncertainty. Now, again, at the right price, right, just like actuaries say, there's no such thing as a bad risk. There's only bad premiums. Um, but if that's what your customer wants, then why, Chris says, why wouldn't I sell it to them if that's what they want? 
Yes, completely agree. And and Ron, you're in alignment with the project management definition of risk there. So nice, nice job. I have taught you well. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the, the, because, interesting because I, I my definitions of risk come from economics, the distinction between risk and uncertainty, what risk you can measure, you know, like a coin toss, but uncertainty <laughs> cannot be measured. And I didn't know project management had that same distinction. It, project management does, and what, and and it's using those those three exact terms: known knowns, unknown known, uh, or known unknowns, and then of course, um, unknown unknowns, as you as you specify. And yes, you do sound like Rumsfeld. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we will post that link. It's hysterical, but actually, what he's talking about is these levels of risk. And in project management, an unknown unknown is simply a risk that we have not even identified yet, and that's a lot of people mistake that. It, 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 sometimes a, a risk you can know the risk, right? But it's be, that we have we we, ha- we have not established what the probability is, nor have we established the impact, and that's still unknown unknown as well. Right, and that's weird. of course the black swan, right? The unknown unknown. Correct. And we were just talking the other day about this whole tragedy in Vegas, but. You know, you think about a black swan. I mean, here's this casino that has all security and all these internal controls. And, and boy, this black swan pops up, just like when one of the performers got mauled by a tiger. You yeah. know, that was an unknown, unknown event. Now, you'd never be able to, to forecast that. But that doesn't necessarily mean you might not be able to price for it. Chris Marston does take on some cases where he will say, We'll we'll go to the Supreme Court if that's what it takes to finish this. We'll we'll yeah. like he says, I'll, I'll shoot, I'll fire the bullet, and I'll I'll ride the risk with you, you know. And at the right price, he's willing to do that. Well, let, let's finish up, Ron. Talk a little bit about about what is in your the, your book that in under the heading of the perfect crime. Well, they just and this comes a lot from the legal profession, but this is kind of the picayune stuff that that the ABA and other bar associations from around the country get caught up in. I mean, you know, people say, "Well, look, the a client cannot, a customer cannot uh, question the billable hour. There's no mechanism." Uh, so, just some of the things that that law firms engage in, things like double billing, right? If I'm sitting mm-hmm. on a plane traveling for one client and I'm working on a brief for another, can I charge the, you know both of them five hours? The ABA clearly says absolutely not. That's double billing. It's unethical. Mm-hmm. What if I have recycled work? What if a, a customer comes in one week, asks me a question, I write a big research memo on it. Next week, the next customer, a different customer comes in, asks the same question. I, I can't charge what I charge the first person. If I'm billing by the hour, I can only charge what the time I spent. And therefore, mm-hmm. the billable hour penalizes experience. It penalizes leveraging intellectual capital. I mean, imagine if Watson had to price out that way. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is there's overstaffing of lawyers, right? We'll put too many lawyers on the case. There's there's excessive research. There's uh, attorneys performing clerical and admin tasks like you know standing at the photocopy machine or whatever. I mean, this is clearly surgeons piercing ears. Uh, mm-hmm. One one judge wrote Michelangelo should not charge Sistine Chapel rates for painting a farmer's barn. Um, uh, <laughs> attorney conferences, right? I'm going to confer with my colleagues, and and that's all. You know, the first question is, well, what's the code on this? Um, 
and then charging for small units of time. Should you round up six minutes to 10, whatever, things like that, that gets, that gets a, a lot of people all fired up. Um, in fact, one book suggested that lawyers should charge for every single minute. And that way, rounding wouldn't be an issue. You should track every single minute. What about seconds? What about seconds, Ron? What know, about it's seconds? Just, it's just obscene. And then overhead expenses, Ed. You know, you know, every fax, every phone call in the old, right? Every email. And I worked with one firm. I kid you not. The Coke machine had a charge code. What? No, you did not, code. liar. Yep. Nope. No. <laughs> no kidding. This would be the equivalent of the airlines charging you for auto land and computerized navigation. Um, now, luckily, there is some sanity in the sea of madness. The New York State Bar Association did come out and say, basically, subject to the economic realities, right, uh, virtually any uh, pricing method that attorney and client can both agree upon and abide by will result almost by definition in a fair fee. In other words, they're conceding the idea that consenting you know, adults can engage in capitalist acts as long as it's agreed to up front. And that's why we think fixed price uh, in advance is far more ethical and far more professional than hourly billing in arrears. Wow, you tied it in a nice little bow for us at the end there, Ron. That was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, Ed, we've thought a lot about this and we've had we've had shot down every single argument that pops up on this issue. But, folks, we hope we've given you some uh, food for thought and we will post the Marston Circles. Um, I'll even link to a blog post I wrote about them when I first saw Chris do them. And, uh Ed, we'll be sure to post your um, your Bart Wilson video and the Rumsfeld clip as well, because I think that's really funny. But, yes, yes. And, th and thank you to our listeners um, for, for sending in those questions. Keep them coming. We love it. Yes. Thanks, Max. And thanks, Pete, for that. We really do appreciate it. We know this is a, a touchy, touchy subject, but somebody's got to do it, Ed. We're here to speak the truth, right? Yep. Not, not, not bathe people in warm butter. So, um, <laughs> But what do we have on store for next week? Ron, next week we are looking at the the subject of innovating beyond technology, one of my favorite sessions to do. Oh, awesome. Well, I look forward to that, and I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific in the United States. In the meantime, please feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. <laughs> <laughs>